Welcome back. I'm Tom Hall here in Studio A with our theater critic, Jay Wynn Russick. Judy, it's good to see you. Always good to be here, Tom. So this week for our weekly theater review, we're going to talk about a show that's at the Chesapeake Shakespeare Company here in Baltimore. It's called The Oristia. So this is the Chesapeake Shakespeare Company, but here's a play that even predates Shakespeare, I guess, by a lot, right? It's kind of, <laughs> these guys are going way, way back, long before Shakespeare. Um, but is there a connection between The Oristia and Shakespeare? There is a connection, and particularly between this version of the Oristia and Shakespeare. The Oristia is a trilogy of Greek tragedies by Aeschylus. All three plays, Agamemnon, the Libation Bearers, and the Eumenides, are about the fall of the House of Atreus. You remember that cursed homicidal family, Agamemnon, his wife Clytemnestra, and their children Iphigenia, Electra, and Orestes. For the record, I don't remember any of that. <laughs> that's good. That's good. In this case, that's really good. But Shakespeare is believed to have studied Greek tragedies, and Hamlet, in particular, may have been partly inspired by the Oristia. Um, another more specific and recent connection is that this particular adaptation of the Oristia was commissioned by Washington's Shakespeare Theater. It debuted there in 2019. The Shakespeare Theater commissioned playwright and actor Ellen McLaughlin to condense Aeschylus's trilogy into one evening of theater. The program describes the script as freely adapted. McLaughlin created a terrific, sweeping, surprisingly pertinent script, and it's receiving a terrific production directed by Lise Bruneau here at Chesapeake Shakespeare. Good. That's good to hear. So has Chesapeake Shakespeare or uh, Ms. McLaughlin... Uh, have they modernized this text by uh, Aeschylus in any way? Well, Clytemnestra especially uses some modern colloquialisms. For example, in her first speech, she says, don't get me started. And later <laughs> on, she says, funny how that happens, and get used to it. Um, but really, it's the... Not exactly <laughs> Greek talk, I guess. Huh? I don't think so. Um, Really, it's the immediacy of the acting that makes these characters feel relatable and modern. I've done my best to come up with a very, very brief plot summary. The gods in the Trojan War figure into this, but there are a few high points I'm going to point out. King Agamemnon kills his daughter, Iphigenia. Agamemnon is then killed by his wife, Queen Clytemnestra, and ten years later their son, Orestes, kills Clytemnestra. In the end, there's a trial. Boy, and it, what a fam. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Keep it within the family. Um, there's a trial in the end. A new form of justice emerges, really a form of democracy. So basically, the Oristia is about a cycle of family murders and how that cycle can be broken. Sadly, centuries later, breaking the cycle of violence seems way too modern. The trial in Aeschylus's version ends with a verdict from the goddess Athena. This is one of the places where McLaughlin departs from the original. The Greek chorus in her version is made up of the family servants. It's the household help. And they determine Orestes' fate. It falls to them. But getting back to Clytemnestra killing her husband Agamemnon, she has a speech in which she blames him for setting this cycle in motion. And then she perpetuates it herself. But I have a clip from that speech. Isabel Anderson plays Clytemnestra. Let's listen. I have never spoken the truth until now. I have never done anything until this moment. Just this. 
He killed my daughter, the treasure I made inside my body and gave to the world. He killed her. Set this in motion. The years of nights, nights of years, through the war he chose. The war he chose. That was Isabel Anderson as Clytemestra in Chesapeake Shakespeare's production of The Oristia. So, Judy, you mentioned that the uh, production really has this great immediacy in the acting. Tell us about the, the leads in this show. Well, let's start with Isabel Anderson, whom we just heard. This production is full of intense performances, but her Clytemnestra is the most intense, and she sets the tone for the other performances and really for the production itself. Anderson's Clytemnestra has a very regal bearing, but she also has this unrelenting determination for revenge. Frankly, this is one of the best productions I've seen at Chesapeake Shakespeare, and Isabel Anderson gives one of the best performances. I found Stephen Patrick Martin as Agamemnon a bit disappointing. Agamemnon is a military leader, but Martin does not come across as a forceful military commander. Then Orestes and Electra come in, and they bring the wattage way back up. Isaiah Mason Harvey plays Orestes, and at one point, Apollo's voice speaks through him and with him, and it's very scary. Um, Like Hamlet, Orestes also goes through a should I or shouldn't I moment, and Harvey makes this very human. To be or not to be. (laughs) Exactly, exactly, with the ancient Greeks. But he's very affecting at that. He really is. Um, Lizzie Albert plays Electra. She eggs her brother on. She's a fierce Electra. Orestes has no illusions about the house of Atreus. This family has spilled a lot of blood. Orestes never knew his father, but he follows in his father's bloody footsteps. I brought the first few lines of Orestes' first speech. This is Isaiah Mason Harvey as Orestes. Let's listen. On the day my father came back from the wars and stood where I stand, what did he see? A place where he could finally rest his scorched eyes in peace, safe at last? Oh, my father. Did he think he had come home? Home, what a word for such a house. Or did he know, like me, that hell swung wide behind that door? Isaiah Mason Harvey, he plays Orestes in the Oristia at the Chesapeake Shakespeare Company. So, Judy, modern plays usually don't have choruses, you know, the infamous Greek choruses. How does the chorus work in this production? Is there any attempt to make the chorus feel, you know, more natural? Yes, yes, there is. Um, Playwright Ellen McLaughlin, as I mentioned, turns the chorus into household servants. They're present in all three plays. They see everything that goes on in this house. In a way, they're also all of us, the common man. They, we, have the power to stop the bloodshed. At Chesapeake Shakespeare, Lisa Bernau, Lise Bernau, has directed a very cohesive chorus. But at the same time, you get the sense that each actor has developed a very specific background and tasks for their character. Um, As Orestes' jury, they debate and they argue, and they even seem to draw us into the jury pool. Eventually, and this is where democracy comes in, they decide to work together to clean up, as they put it, this chaos of blood. In fact, the production's final imagery is very, very moving. The servants wash the bloody hands of the perpetrators. Mm, Sounds intense. So, Judy, you've made a very strong case for this adaptation of this very ancient tragedy. Tragedy. This is a political season. Uh, Does it offer hope, promise, 
anything to look forward to in the in the rest of the <laughs> as as the world turns? Well, I have to preface this by saying that Ellen McLaughlin has written that she did not know what to do with the last play in the trilogy. She didn't know how to end this adaptation. She was working on it in 2016, so that might give you some idea why. What she came up with may sound simplistic, but this Oresteia, even more than the original, says we have to come together, that the only hope to end the vicious cycles of violence on whatever scale may be in us coming together. So yes, there is political resonance and hope, and they're powerfully depicted at Chesapeake Shakespeare. We have to come together indeed. Maybe we can come together and go down and see Chesapeake Shakespeare Company's production of the Oresteia. It's there until March 10th. So thanks so much, Judy. Next week we're going to talk about Forbidden Broadway's Greatest Hits. That'll be fun. It's at the Dundalk Community Theaters. Have a great weekend. You too. That's it for us today. Coming up Monday, it's the Midday Health Watch with Dr. Lena Wen. We'll talk about the CDC's latest COVID vaccine recommendations and other topics. So I hope you'll plan on joining us and getting in touch with your questions for Dr. Wen Monday on Midday. And up next, it's Witness History. That's a special from the BBC celebrating Women's History Month. Midday's director and engineer is Shania Mapson. Luke Spicknell is WIPR's operations manager. Taria Rogers and Mallory Pinkard-Pierre produce our program with help from Sam Burmistaws and Izzy Bavis. Austin Coglin from Clean Cuts wrote and recorded the Midday theme music. I'm Tom Hall. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. This is Baltimore's NPR News Station, 88.1 WYPR.